Welcome to Hollywood and Vine, news, reviews, and the occasional interviews about all the movies worth seeing, and a few that aren't. I'm Tim Beasley. And I'm Patrick Bonfrisco. And tonight we're going to be talking about the new hit classic of an old hit classic, Beauty and the Beast. Rar? Rar. Tales old okay. time, baby. What? Which one of us is the beauty and which one of us oh, is the beast? I think you know. Um, I'm the beauty? I'm Emma Watson all the way, baby. Oh, God. I love how you say Emma Watson, not the not Belle, <laughs> not the beauty. You're just Emma Watson. Belle is my spirit animal. Am I the beast just because I'm hairy? I was going to say you and I are, are probably more like Gaston and LeFou. I'm Gaston. You're my little a... sidekick. I was going to say we're, <laughs> we're Lumiere and Cogsworth, but I'm just going to stop. No, we are, because I don't, I don't want you touching me anywhere. So, well, I know you are a huge fan of this movie, um, or the original, I should say this concept. So I'm sure you're going to have plenty to say about this film. Um, (laughs) and to be truthfully honest, I haven't seen the original animated version since I think I was a child. Like, I don't think I've seen it at all in my high school or adult years. So when's the last time you watched the animated version? No, 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 I have a question first. What's wrong with you? What is wrong with you? I mean, a lot of things. I found alcohol at a young age and it just took over my life. You really want to know when the last time I watched the the original was? Wait, let me guess. The original animated film. Yes. Well, okay. And and I'm going to, I'm going to say this. Do you know when the last time you watched it? before the last time you watched it in anticipation for this new live action. Well, the last time I watched it wasn't in anticipation for this. Oh, see, that's what I was thinking. I was like, I'm sure you watched it recently for the getting ready for the premiere or I would put serious money. I'd be wrong. You sir would be wrong. See, I would have bet some, uh, some serious pocket change that you would have watched it in anticipation. So if you haven't, when was the last time you watched it? Um, two years ago. False. One years ago. False. Ten years ago. False. Shit, what? When I was at your house last weekend. What's it, just laying in my spare bedroom? The last time I watched it wasn't in anticipation for this film. It was right when I got home from watching this film. I fired it up again. And then I only watched about half. So when I came to stay with you for the weekend, I picked up the rest of it. Hmm. That's not weird. No, not at all. That's really not. But so did you wait? So did you watch it in anticipation or you just happened to start it? And then nope. this time I did not. I did not watch it in anticipation. Hmm. It's interesting. But I've I, seen I, it enough times to have it burned into my mind, so I really didn't need to. So I was going to say, sitting in the theater on opening night when I watched this and having it play out in front of me, truthfully, I was like, oh, yeah. Like, it, it really sparked old memories for me because I haven't seen it in so long. Um, but let's just say I'd never seen this before. Let's say I'd never seen this movie. Okay. What a fantastic film. Right. Holy shit. Did you get to see this in 3D? No. You know me. I don't 
I don't love 3D. I will probably see it right. in 3D once before it leaves the theater, just so I know what it's like. But I went to the fan event, and just backing up to let you know, the time before I had seen this was probably I, I, I watch it at least once a year. It was probably last year with my niece. I remember watching it, um, sitting on the couch with her watching it on my my iPad. So I would guess it's been about a year, but I would say probably not not a year goes by that I don't watch it. It's one of my favorite all time favorite movies, top five. Um, but for opening night, I went to the, the 6 PM showing the fan event that you, um, had to pay a little extra for, um, tiny bit, just a tiny yeah, bit, just a little bit. It was $35. So, and I, I was assuming that meant you get popcorn and a drink or something, but, but I don't believe you did. Um, either, either you didn't or you did. And the person I asked was mistaken because they were like, uh, no, and I'm like, I'm pretty sure you get something, but, um, the place was packed and it was packed by super fans. So it actually was worth the price of admission because they were so just bonkers for this movie. It was honestly like watching a star Wars film on opening night, the energy in the room, the anticipation, the, the, the amount of cheering um, throughout the movie and especially then at the end. So I didn't regret the extra that I paid even though I had to sit in the front row because I bought my tickets to the last minute. <laughs> Still worth it. Now, did you stay all the way till the end for the, uh, the spoiler, the teaser for beauty and the beast Two? Um, Beastlier? I stayed so long. They showed the trailer for beauty and the beast three. That's how confident oh, shit. They were that this would make money. <laughs> <laughs> was it just LeFou and his love? Yes. That's exactly what it was. Featuring Bell, yeah, I think it's uh, Beauty and the Beast two, Return of Gaston, and then Beauty and the Beast three, A Good Day to Gaston. Gaston's dead, bro. Let it go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he better be. You know how I feel about bringing dead people uh-huh. back. Exactly. Well, I I did not get to see this in three D yet, but and I'm I'm the same way. I'm not a big fan of three D. I think we've said that on a couple yeah. different podcasts in the past, but I. Uh, I've been talking to everyone at work knows I, I do these podcasts. So we're talking about it and they're like, Oh, when are you going to do beating the beast? Blah, blah, blah. And one of the guys comes in, he didn't, uh, he's not a big movie guy, but he said he watched it in 3d and it was just like the tables pop. And you know, when the, the lighting pops and just the, the movement of the, uh, the armoire and everything, just everything works in 3d for this movie. And there's only a couple scenes that are almost, you know, kind of gimmickly shot for 3d, mm-hmm. But in the in the context of the standard 2D, they still make sense because I didn't see anything that to me really stood out. But you know, when the the uh, the boudoir throws out all the the rags and all that kind of stuff, it's kind of I guess shot for 3D. But he says it's just fantastic. Just if you're going to invest a couple more dollars, it's worth it. Of all the 3D movies, and he's seen a bunch in 3D because he thought it was going to become a big thing. I mean, he was talking about like Avatar, comparing it to Avatar in 3D. And I'm like, well, that's a way older version of 3D. Yeah. Uh, and he said it was absolutely worth it. So if you're going to go spend well, 12 bucks or whatever, you might as well go spend 14 and check it out. Guess I'm just going to have to see it for a third time. I yeah, all shots. Yeah. I was going to anyway, so not a bad idea. I uh, I did... Like I said, I did 2D both times. The first time I was sitting way close up, this this 
time I saw it again today, I got the seat that I wanted kind of dead center in the theater with the no row in front of me, like the, the bars, you know, the, I'm talking mm-hmm. about the bars exactly. so I could put my feet up. So next time what I'll probably do is do 3d and sit a little further back. And, um, I don't know. I, uh, I, one of my friends said she saw it, she's got little kids and they went and did the drive-in movie theater so they could, Ooh. they could sit and watch it all and talk through, you know, cause they're, her kids are really small. So I was like, well, I should put that on my list. I'm going to treat this like Star Wars and see it a lot of times. So be prepared. <laughs> well, I'm amazed. Be, be prepared for our future podcast that there may be a Beauty and the Beast tangent every week. Hey, I'm fine with that. This movie's fantastic. So yeah, let's chat. Right. I mean, people were commenting on my Facebook page, you know, two, you know, you're seeing it twice. And I'm like, man, it's good, man. Like, go, yes. on, go on and invest. It's, it's, it's a good movie. I did. I will have to say, I got to throw this caveat out there right now. For a movie that is all about love and acceptance, I got really, really fucking pissed in my second showing because on my same row, at the very edge, very, you know, the aisle seat was a father and his son. And the son was, I'm going to go out on limb and say autistic. Okay. Because when I was walking in, I could hear him talking and, you know, making weird little noises and sounds and, you know, get up, get up, stand up, like making weird sounds. I don't care. Whatever. It's a kid. And when you're thinking about this movie, this movie is, is something that should be shared and appreciated and viewed and loved by everyone. Mm-hmm. As the movie really starts getting going, right? He jumps up and he's, it's, it's a dance number. It's a song. And he's like, stand, he kept saying stand up or something like that. And he's standing there and he's kind of just bobbing along with the music and jumping up little little jumps in here and there and just obviously happy. And some asshole in the back, of course, has to say, shut up. Oh, jeez. And continues as the kid. And, and you can hear the father like, okay, 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 okay. You know, trying to calm his child down a little bit. But his kid's happy, you know. Was literally eyes glued to the screen. I looked over a couple times because I wanted to make sure it's not just – you know, the first reaction is like a rowdy kid. And I look over, I'm like, nope, it's that kid. Okay. And I'm like, the part of me is filled with joy for this kid. Like, yes. Like that's what you should see when you see first off a Disney movie. First off, probably the first time he's seen Beauty and the Beast. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. The first time he's seen Beauty and the Beast live action. Mm -hmm. And you just have someone that's just got to piss on his parade. And when they spoke out again, they started to say, take him outside. They finished it. And I, I got to take him and I screamed, shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, which I know is not appropriate in a room full of children, but I was so fear Like, yeah, shut well, sometimes up. Sometimes you're just like, that mad. Yeah. Like, just I like I would have been able to hold back. Look, I never really got the whole, like, you know, sometimes they'll bring out a Disney movie and then a month later, they'll bring it back out as like the sing along version. And I never really got that. But when I was watching this on open night, I was fighting to not sing along. (laughs) I'm not kidding. I was sitting there going because it was so crowded and every seat was filled. There were strangers in the two seats next to me on either side of me. And I was like, yeah, I think they're going to get really annoyed if I start singing along to this movie. (laughs) Grown ass man in the front row. (laughs) But because I'm such a fan of the original, it was hard to hold back. So I can only imagine if I, if, if I was a parent of a kid and they just wanted to start singing and dancing during this, I would let them go. And if anybody said anything, I would have said exactly what you said. Um, You don't 
get that many opportunities to experience that much joy anymore. You really don't. Uh, so why stifle it? And what is, what is a kid enjoying a movie? How is that really? I mean, we talked last week when we saw Kong and the kid next to me was freaking out and it really didn't bother me. In fact, I thought, (laughs) I thought it was funny, but I, I wish that I still had that reaction to movies. You know, I I wish I wasn't so jaded and hadn't seen everything. I wish that, you know, Kong's hand going into the water to, to save the girl, I would be like, <gasps> you know, I wish I still had that reaction, but I don't. So to hear about this, you know, a kid seeing this movie for the first time and just loving it so much, they want to get up and sing and dance. Let them let, let them enjoy oh, yeah. things like that while they still can before the world comes along and crushes their hopes and dreams. Well, and not just that, like, <laughs> no, no. I mean, that's movies are supposed to be yeah, thrilling and invigorating, right? Um, but not just that, but especially a you know a special needs child, like yeah, exactly. an autistic child. You know, I listened to some podcasts, and one of the podcasts I listened to, whose host has a, a daughter that latched on to Finding Nemo and has probably watched Finding Nemo, you know, according to him, a thousand times, you know, a hundred times, multiple times a day, and it's like. If they, but that same child could probably watch The Incredibles or, um, you know, maybe Beauty and Beast and and just not connect to it. But they found something that they connected to. Yeah. If this kid's connecting to it, he's not sitting there screaming, going, "I want to go home" or "Give me ice cream" or some bullshit that that some other kid has probably screamed before in a movie theater. He's showing happiness. Why would you stifle a child's happiness? Just so depressing. Yeah, that sucks. So annoying. So let me ask you this then. Um, When did you say the last time you saw this movie probably was? 10, 15 years. Mm. More, more actually. Okay. And how many times do you think you've seen it? Just just the one or handful? Uh, As a child? Just ever. The the original. Yeah, a handful. Yeah. Handful. Handful. I mean, it wasn't. I had a bunch. Like, I remember our uh, VHS collection. Um, It was absolutely. I remember it was in those hard like molded white plastic cases clamshells. Yeah. I I know I had beauty and the beast and I had Aladdin and all those like traditional, um, classics. How many times can't tell you how many times have I seen it in the last 10 years? Zero. I'll guarantee you that probably. Yeah, man, 15, 20 years since I've seen it. Wow. Couldn't tell you the entire plot before I saw it again. I can remember this, though. I I also had it in the white clamshell VHS. I had two copies because the first time it came out in VHS, I didn't buy it. And, you know, Disney, especially when it was VHS, put stuff back in the vault and they go through this like long period where you can't purchase it so they can make a big deal about it when they re-release it. And I wanted to get a copy and I kept renting it. So one day I just asked the guy where, where I rented it if I could also borrow the clamshell case. Cause you remember they, they would have the, the box on the, on the shelf Ooh, yeah. going back to back when there were video stores box on the shelf, but then they'd give you just the VHS in like a plastic case. Yep. Uh, that was a good old days. Yeah. He let me borrow the rent the movie and borrow the clamshell case. And I took it to like Kinko's back when there was a Kinko's going way back uh-huh. now <laughs> before it was all FedEx and made a color copy of it, cut it out. And he he had an extra clamshell case that he sold me for like a dollar, and I built my own because <laughs> I wanted to own this movie. <laughs> Dear God, yeah. 
<laughs> so did you go VCR to VCR and oh, record yeah. it? Yeah, VCR, yeah. VCR. It, which is kind of funny that he let me do it because that's not only illegal. It's like you would think this guy's must must be thinking yeah. like, now they're never going to rent it from me again. But he knew I was coming hey, well, for other stuff. So, so then uh, then they re released it later, you know, in a, in a new version, and I and I picked that up. So then I had two copies, and then of course it came out on DVD, and I'm pretty sure I got two different copies on DVD. Now I have two Blu-rays plus digital. So if you count everything that's in storage, I've probably got seven versions of this movie. On top of that, I think you you probably have more versions of this movie than I have seen this movie. Yeah, probably. Um, and then on top of that, I've seen the musical at least three, four, maybe even five times. Didn't even know there was a musical. It's outstanding. So I really recommend it. It's not playing anymore. I was checking to see if it's still touring. It's not, but I'm sure with the popularity of the movie, they're going to bring it back. You should try to see it. Just the scene alone where he transforms from the beast back to a human at the end. Sorry. Spoiler alert. The scene at the end when he transforms. Get the fuck out of here. (laughs) (laughs) This original movie is from 1991. There's no spoilers from this. Well, (laughs) it's um, so well done that the way they, they transform him back on stage. So you got it. You got to check it out. I mean, I never saw the Lion King in live performance. So Mm. I saw that. I want to see that when it was advantageous for years. I wanted to see that movie and I never have gotten to do it. So my advice to you when you have a chance to see either one is if you get to see Beauty and the Beast, try to pay a little extra and sit close. There's a lot of details on the stage that you wouldn't notice when she goes into the library with all the books. They're they're all if you sit close enough, you could read the spines. They're all Disney movies, you know, books of Disney movies. Little things like that are thrown in that you'll want to sit close for Lion King. I would sit further away because a lot of the action takes place in the audience. So all the animals come out and walk around and you want to be somewhere where you can see everything. Well, I'll probably only be able to afford the back row seats. So yeah, I was going to say we will see as far as this, this new live ad- adaptation. So I didn't, I remember when it, they said they were making a live version. It's like, okay, they're making live versions of all these Disney classics now. Okay. I wonder when we're going to get Aladdin. When are we going to get this? When are we going to get that? Then I heard the casting news of, of Emma Watson mm-hmm. and I just turned everything else off. I said, all right, this is going to be good. Yep. Don't need um, to, don't, don't need anything else. And I literally have not looked at any casting news except for when stuff popped up on my Facebook, like Ewan McGregor is playing Lumiere and things like that, but had no idea who the beast was, had no idea that LeFou, who LeFou was going to be. And until the whole, the foo is gay. All that crap came out. Mm-hmm. Had no idea who was playing Gaston. Had no idea who was playing any of these characters other than Emma Watson from the get-go. So when I saw the casting, when I got ready for to go see it, I'm like, this looks awesome. What do you think about the casting? My story is not that different. Um, when they first started making live-action versions of their films um, – the first one that I'm referring to, like recently, because I know I think they've tried it in the past and they've done live action versions of their rides. But when they did Maleficent, I was like, OK, well, that's a cool spin to take, you know, take it from the villain's point of view. And mm-hmm. uh, and then Cinderella was a little closer uh, of an adaptation. They pretty much stuck to the story, but it wasn't it wasn't exact. Uh, and then they announced Beauty and the Beast. And at that point, I went, OK, hold on. If you're going to do this, you can't change anything because the movie's already perfect. I get really protective about this one. And I was at first a little bit like, 
I don't know how I feel about this because if they do it and they do it right, I'm going to love it. And if they do anything wrong, I'm going to be angry, you know? Uh, and then I saw the casting of Emma Watson and went, okay, they're serious about this. They're going to do it right. Cause I kept thinking like, who could they possibly cast as Bell? And I couldn't come up with anybody until I heard that. I was like, all right, all right. And I kind of did the same thing. It's at that point I stopped paying attention to casting and I would hear about things here and there. I heard about Ewan McGregor. I heard about, uh, Gandalf, um, Yeah. And then uh, going into the film, I saw a little bit of background stuff and realized I don't really know uh, the beast or I couldn't remember where I knew Gaston from. I was a little worried because the the stuff I saw in advance of Gaston, I was like, I don't know how how I feel about the way he looks. And it just something didn't look right to me. But uh, I try to just go in fresh. Um, Like I said earlier, I didn't go watch the movie. I didn't go watch the original right before um, I bought the soundtrack, but I didn't open it and I left it sealed until the movie was over. Cause I didn't want to hear the songs. I, I just wanted to have like, you know, the total experience to take it all in. And I was blown away by the entire cast, especially the ones I didn't know what to expect from. So they did a great job in my opinion. At least. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm I'm looking through the uh the Disney breakdown. What would you consider the first live adaptation of a Disney classic? They did a jungle book a long time ago. <laughs> did I get it? That's what that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. That's why that's, I said that's they, where I was going. Yeah, that's why I had said they've they've done this before, because I was thinking back to that other jungle book that I don't really remember very much from, except that the only reason I even knew it was Disney is because my mom bought it and it was in the clamshell. <laughs> so it had to be them. It was in the white clamshell case. And I don't know if I ever even watched it. Um, and I can't think of any in between. And I know since they've also done Jungle Book again, uh, mm-hmm. and they've they've done Pete's Dragon. I don't really count that one because Pete's Dragon wasn't one of the 56 animated classics. It's a, one of their hybrid films. But but still, isn't isn't that the one that you said you wouldn't see? Or am I thinking of someone else? Uh, yeah, I I will see it. It's in my Netflix yeah, I queue. Say you didn't uh, see I didn't because you were apprehensive. Yeah, still, still very much so. So I think that's uh, now you know how how kind of I felt about this. You know. Well, let me let me ask you this: Would you count 101 Dalmatians? Yeah. Oh, I know oh, that's. Oh, you're talking about that. I forgot about that. Yes. Okay. So they did Jungle Book. Because they did. And they, they did, did a live adaptation. Yep, that's right. They did 100. They did 101. Then 102. Yep. Lovely, lovely little thing. But would, is that in a Disney classic though? Because I know it's yep. broken off of uh, what? Is it? A hundred and one Dalmatians is one of the one of the fifty six Disney films, Disney animated. Like they have a they have a canon of like these are the animated classics because they're by a certain studio. They're by Walt. Di- I think it's Walt Disney Animated Pictures or something like that. Studios. A lot of the other uh, animation they the turnout comes from different studios. Like they have Disney tunes that makes those planes movies that look like they're cars, but they're not, you know, they look like cars from Pixar, Yeah, yeah. but, and they have, uh, I think that's the same studio that made like the, a goofy movie, stuff like that, but they have. And so that one doesn't, now that's a classic. (laughs) So that one doesn't count into the, you know, into the 56. And I feel like, for a very short time, and I can't remember when it was. I think it might have been around the time of Tangled. When you went to see it, it told you at the beginning what number it was. Like it, that might have been fifty. So they they almost it seems like I feel like 
I feel like they started doing that at the beginning of the movie, saying what number it was, and then they they stopped right away and cut that out. But mm. for a while, you could track down. So yeah, 101 Dalmatians, Jungle Book, and Beauty and the Beast are all counted in that. What about Alice in Wonderland? That's one, too. Oh, God, they remade that, yes. <laughs> they made that to two of us. Absolutely right. I, I almost think of, I guess because it was Tim Burton, Hmm. I, I think of that more as a Tim Burton movie than a remake of a Disney film because he really yeah. didn't remake Alice in Wonderland. He told a very different story uh, to me. Yeah. It, I felt like this, uh, this go around kind of started with Maleficent, but then they've made a sequel to the Alice in Wonderland. So I guess not, you know, I guess it's all going to start to mix together, but they are redoing 101 Dalmatians again. So, um, well, I think they're like doing a, Cruella. yeah, they're doing Cruella. You're right. So they're going the Maleficent route. Yeah. So, Given her an origin story, you know, yeah. probably heard the, uh, the anti-villain, mm-hmm. anti-hero. Is that the word I'm looking for? I think so. It's anti-hero. Um, but yeah, what, you're right. But, you, you remembered a bunch that I had forgotten about, but yeah, they've done this quite a few times. Um, Wikipedia is helping me out a lot I, too. <laughs> I guess maybe, um, honestly then Cinderella is probably the, when they first decided we're going to go, really close to the originals you know would be my guess although i don't know i i don't remember the the live action version of 101 dalmatians that well so i don't remember how close they went but i mean obviously with i don't think the dogs talked so they didn't mm-hmm. they didn't do like a a real true adaption of it had a real true adaptation of it you gotta have the dogs talking see right? i i never saw that cinderella version okay how is that i liked it they added a duck. And you know how I feel about ducks. God. <laughs> but he was like the best part. He was the comic relief. Although, you know, it's been a while since I've watched it. I don't think the mice talked. So again, they didn't. And that might not sound like a big deal, but that'd be almost like if the, you know, Lumiere and Cogsworth didn't talk in this, in this version of Beauty and the Beast. That'd be kind of strange to me. Ew. Right. Oh. <laughs> you can't do that. But, you know, some somewhere out there, there's probably someone that feels the way about Cinderella that I do about Beauty and the Beast is kind of like, I can't believe the mice didn't talk. But I, I can't say for sure that they didn't. It's been so long since I've seen it. I was thinking of maybe this weekend going back and binging the other ones they've redone. Just to see, you know, how I feel about all of them in comparison. I mean, I know which one I like best, but if someone were to ask me, like, what's the second best one? I, I wouldn't be able to answer right now. Well, man, I don't think I could call the Jungle Book, the most recent one, a, a true adaptation then. If we're using this as a a meter. Well, I would just say this is the truest of the adaptations. Like, this is probably the one that came closest. So, I don't know. I hated, I'll, I'll, that. I hated that version of Louie. Yeah. Hated that version. I have a question. I know one of yeah. these days, at some point, we'll get we'll get into that, the movie, but sooner or later yeah so i have a question for you of the original now 56 animated disney films this is the one that i felt they had to get right and do justice and shouldn't get too experimental so this is the one i'm the most protective of which one would you say you're the most protective of hmm the most protective of because eventually they're going to remake i would i know they're not going to remake them all they're going to remake all the the really, really beloved 
strong ones that people will go see. I mean, I don't think they're going to redo the Three Caballeros as a live action movie. I can't imagine live action Donald Duck. All that would be that'd be pretty awesome. But as I say, huh? <laughs> um, if I got to think about it, uh, there's some movies that are coming up that I'm very nervous about that for live action. Okay, so let's start like um, this. Which ones? Which which ones would you like to whether whether it's been announced or not? Which ones would you like to see converted? Oh, I don't know. Okay. I'm, I'm iffy on that at all. I mean, the idea, obviously, you know, what they were able to do with jungle book and kind of, um, the amazing CG for, for those animals is great. So when you look at Dumbo or Bambi or, um, 101 Dalmatians, which, well, I mean, 101 Dalmatians, you can use actual dogs, but when you look at some of those or, uh, the aristocrats or, or Robin hood or Winnie the Pooh, that's a good one. That might be one that I'm very protective over. Um, same here. When you uh, when you look at things like that, I mean, yeah, you can do amazing effects, but for me, when you're you're making like part of part of Baloo, granted it was voiced by an amazing actor in the Jungle Book, right? Mm-hmm. Um, part of me, the the magic was gone a little bit when you see a, a real looking bear yeah. in the woods talking and dancing. Um, part of me that that the magic is in the animation, so I don't necessarily know. I want to see any of those like if you were to do a little mermaid i know there's there's a a movie coming out of the same name but is not the the disney adaptation of that story mm-hmm. i don't that movie looks okay but that's not you know that's not what i want to see i could see a little mermaid being created because it's human figures yeah um you know aladdin i'm really excited for that but when i hear about a live action lion king what are we what like, so we're just going to, are we taking real lions and making them perform right. I mean, and it's then not overlaying really, digital? Or? Yeah, it's not really live action. It's just a different yeah. form of animated Lion King. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so I, so I'm, I'm with you when it comes to Winnie the Pooh, like they, they, they really better not mess with that. In fact, when they made the sequel to Winnie the Pooh, which if, if you've got that list in front of you, you'll notice they, they very rarely do sequels. In fact, uh, I think there may only be two and that's rescuers and rescuers down under. And then the many adventures God, of Winnie I love the Pooh, those. and then followed up by the Winnie the Pooh. All the other sequels that Disney did were usually like direct to video or by mm-hmm. one of their other production companies. So I think as far as I can recall, only twice have they done like a, an actual sequel that got the full theatrical release and all the bells and whistles. So when they did a sequel to Winnie the Pooh and I heard they were going to do it, I was so happy that they went back to like hand-drawn animation and they didn't change the look and feel of it. It fit in with the other stories. You could watch them back to back and it'd be like, you're just watching a three, three and a half hour Winnie the Pooh story. So now that I hear that they're doing that one as a live action film, I get a little nervous. So when it comes out, what do you want the uh, animals to look like? Do you want it to look like he's playing with a little bear or a little stuffed bear that can walk around? Ooh, if you're talking, well, they are. Have you heard that they are talking about making a live adaptation? Yeah, that's what I'm referring to. Um, it but it's supposed out, to be it's an adult Christopher Robin coming yeah. back to play with his old toys. To me, they've always been toys. Mm-hmm. So I would like to see some sort of almost Paddington Bear like right. um, animation where it, it it is a almost Ted like mm-hmm. stuffed animal um, that he's playing with. I don't want to see a bear cub that never grows up somehow, but wears a t-shirt and loves honey. I want to see, I don't even know if I want to see that. 
Now that I think about it, well, I don't even know if I want to see that. I and, guess my uh, question then is, you're going to see it either way because it's happening. Yeah. What What do you hope they do? You know what I mean? That's that's kind of what I'm getting at. I, I would say I don't want I don't want a bear cub. I don't want a reimagining of Baloo on the screen kind of deal. Um, I would want to see uh, stuffed animals, you know, toys that he that's, he that's went on I'm magical saying. adventures with in his imagination. Yeah. I Do you always, say the same thing? Yeah, I, I want to see. I mean, Winnie the Pooh is kind of like a little stuffed animal bear that almost doesn't know he's a stuffed animal. I mean, his stuffing pops up at one point and he puts it back in. So you you feel like to a certain point, he kind of knows he's a stuffed animal. But then a lot of times it doesn't seem like he does. He's just like, hey, I'm a bear, you know, and that's sure. that's what I would like if they're they're going to do it anyways. It should be a little stuffed animal bear that doesn't really know he's a stuffed animal. He just thinks he's a bear. That that's just, and it's got to have that same charm as the original or I'm going to be I'm going to have a really hard time with it. There's a couple things that I think you know that I hold near and dear and that's obviously Beauty and the Beast, Star Wars, Snoopy and Winnie the Pooh is another one. So they can't mess with it. And ducks. And ducks. <laughs> Well, I definitely think. When are we going to review Ducktales: Treasure of the Lost Lamp? That's all I want to know. Ooh, good movie. I'm down. Whenever we, uh, whenever we have a week where we can't decide what to do, just like <laughs> hit me all up in the feels right there. Right? <laughs> Damn, that's a good movie. I will say, the Cruella movie. I just read a quick blurb about it with all this Disney stuff going on, but supposedly Emma Stone is on. Mm-hmm. I don't know if she's officially signed, but she is at the very top of the list at the very least from what I read That's what I'm hearing. Uh, to play Cruella, which I think is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Emma Stone would be perfect for that role in terms of her acting ability, but not just that her look she has, she's beautiful, but she can also be kind of maniacal looking. She's got the ability to play deranged in some of her kind of almost over the top acting ability. I think that's what always has been um, a draw for Cruella to me is she's just this big, bold character. And I think Emma has the the chops to do it. So that's going to be interesting. I don't know if they're going to bring dogs into it. Like, I, I don't know exactly what they're going to do there as her origin story, if you will. Yeah. But if you want to talk about finding a strong female lead and building around it, take Beauty and the Beast as an example. Right. Put the right person in, in place to play the lead and – other amazing actors will be attracted to it as well. Yeah, I, I can't argue with that. Not at all. What about the Aladdin adaptation? What do you, what do you feel about that? Or Mulan? That's in the that's in the news a lot lately. Yeah, Aladdin. I don't dislike it at all, but it was never my favorite. Um, it's weird. It's it's like. You know, the, the movies had to come out at, at the exact right point based on someone's age. And then you see, like, everyone that was born that year, that's their film. So the Aladdin wasn't that for me. Um, in fact, Beauty and the Beast really shouldn't have been that for me. Really, I think for me, it was like Winnie the Pooh. That was that was my that was my thing when I was a kid. But that's just because that's what my parents bought for me. But I know there's a whole generation that's like way into Aladdin. In fact, I think they all work um, at Lucasfilm now and make Star Wars Rebels. You can cut that if you want. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I'm excited to see it. Uh, I hope it's good. I think I'm sure it will be good. I, I trust they'll do a good job with it, but I'm not, I'm not freaking out the way I was when they announced um, 
Beauty and the Beast. The Mulan one looks pretty interesting because I've heard it's going to be essentially like a Kung Fu movie and no, no music. So they're going at, not going to change the story really, but they're not giving it the Beauty and the Beast treatment. Where we're going to re- completely remake what you remember growing up with. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested to see what they they're going to go the, the Alice in Wonderland route. Right, right. A reimagining of the world. Which is kind of cool. I like that they're all going to be a little different. So people can't complain like, oh, they're just taking the stuff they already have and rehashing it. No, every, you know, certain things, it, it kind of worked out for me. The one that I don't want them to mess with is the one they, they really didn't mess with. They, they enhanced it. They added some things. They changed a few things, but they told the same story. They kept a lot of the, a lot of the same songs. And then there's some other ones that I'm, that I like, but I'm not super protective over. And I find out they're going to reimagine them. I'm like, cool. That's, that's awesome. Because, you know, for all the people that, come along and when the changes are made and this is going to sound hypocritical of me because i would have been really upset if beauty and the beast was different but for all the people that like when they make changes to these movies and they say you ruined my childhood it's like well you know you still have the other movie to watch <laughs> you have both yep. versions so it's not the oh, yeah. world now i would be down for a live action lilo and stitch movie because that could look kind of weird that would be cool that'd be really cool but i think you can leave chicken little on the the drawing board <laughs> Let's leave that one right where it is. Well, if they CGI'd Chicken Little to make it, it would be the same movie. <laughs> That's what I'm, no, I'm thinking if it's just an actual an chicken. actual chicken. <laughs> chicken just looking around and they're just CGIing a mouth on it. It's just... One that I would like to see but they'll never do would be The Black Cauldron. Black Cauldron. I don't, I don't know if I've... I know I've seen... I've, I was looking through the list and I've seen every single one of these movies, but... That might be another one where I haven't seen it in 20, 25 years. It's one that I think they they just kind of want to forget they made. Um, it was like, I don't even think it's gotten a Blu-ray release. I should go down and check my movies. I'm, I'm almost positive it's one of the few last ones they didn't do on Blu-ray. Um, it was one of the last movies to come out before what they consider the Disney animation renaissance. Uh, uh, so it was 80s. It was Disney was, I think, maybe changing management. Can you can you cut this? But can you tell me like what came out right after that? If you still have the list up. Yeah, yeah, I'm hoping. It goes. I used to I used to know this. So it's the rescuers, Fox and the Hound, Black Cauldron, Great Mouse Detective, Oliver and Company, Little Mermaid, Rescuers Down Under. So Little Mermaid is what really kicked off what people call their animation renaissance. So it was one of the last films before that. There's there's one or two in between, but it was kind of at the tail end where they didn't they really didn't know what they wanted to do with their animation department. Um, I think some people that that worked in Disney Animation left and did their own thing. Like I think Don Bluth, who made like um, I think he made Secret of Nim and All Dogs Go to Heaven, and he he broke off and did his own thing. So they had to reinvent themselves, and what they reinvented themselves was the movies that that we all really remember from i would say probably from your childhood and probably from like my teen years and so they were just huge and it was shortly thereafter that i went and worked at disney for a little while so i was there when some of these movies came out but from like you have little mermaid beauty and the beast aladdin lion king like that kicked off a whole new thing where you pretty much got a disney movie a disney animated movie every year and they were huge for the longest yep. time. And then it dipped for a little while. And and then they seem to be back, you know, when you have your Frozen's, your Moana's, and they're just these powerhouse movies that that's all anybody talks about 
for like a month. Um, but that's, that's what really kicked it off. And, and, um, I almost said sword in the stone. Um, Black Cauldron. Black Cauldron was one of the last ones before that era. Uh, and it's very it's dark, man. Oh, it's very dark. And it's controversial because they, it was based on a book and they really didn't stick to the book at all. They made there were so many changes and, um, it, I think if it got a G rating, it just barely got a G rating. It may have gotten PG. They had to cut some stuff out because it, it's a little bit, it's a little Lord of the Rings ish. And some of the, mm-hmm. the, uh, enemies like, melted or something so there's when you watch it there's some parts that are a little choppy and i think it's because some scenes got got cut out to to get the rating so it's very different but it it's one of those things that came out when i was the right age what year did you say it came out came out in 85 okay so there you go so I 85 was, i was nine years old you know i was way into return of the jedi and it just it was the perfect movie for my my age at that time so and then and then disappeared and you never hear it talked about. It did get a DVD release, so it, they did VHS DVD, but I don't think they ever put out a Blu-ray. So they just kind doesn't of, look like yeah, it. Yeah, I think it's just been kind of, you know, swept under the carpet for the time being. Um, it so it was the first animated film to get a PG rating. There you go. Yeah, they. There, it, I was gonna say, there's no way it could have gotten G. It was. It was. Uh, it was very different. His ratings are so stupid. Yeah, it really, really, really is. Um, I think I mentioned I accidentally mentioned Sword in the Stone. I think they're doing that one, which would be cool. I'd like to see that. Well, I mean, we've seen that as live action before. I was going to say that's but it'd be cool to see it close enough to the Disney version that you still get some of those those ties and those feelings, you know. So we shall see. Hmm. I'm man, I'm getting some like old school feels here looking through that list looking looking at yeah looking at this list i'm like that robin hood movie oh yeah one of my favorites of all time oh yeah i'm gonna go buy a bunch of shit fuck i hate this (laughs) i hate this podcast it makes me want to spend so much money disney has a lot of future movies planned oh yeah holy shit But i also get the feeling that a lot of it's kind of like here's all the things we're considering making and the list gets whittled down over time you know because with them it's like and because it's wikipedia all i have to say is like yeah we're considering doing uh our, our own little mermaid oh got out of the list you know but i do mm. know that they are from from what i understand like you said there's another company making little mermaid but they're doing theirs too so there's going to be two versions yes yes they're talking about re- redoing it and i'm hoping it's very similar like beauty and the beast well i it's, i think because for two reasons one is because that movie is also insanely popular the way that beauty and the beast is but also because somebody else is making what would have to be an adaptation of the book that the version that disney puts out will be a straight adaptation of their film to make them different and to do stuff that the other company can't do <gasps> untitled splash remake Ooh. i'm in so it looks like the Splash remake is going to be starring Channing Tatum as the Merman. Oh, I did hear about this. Yeah, it's one and of the... Jillian Bell from uh, 22 Jump Street, The Night Before, uh, Christmas Office Party. She's kind of a female comedian. She's going to be playing the human love interest. Interesting. Ah, man. I have no problem with either of those actors, but you're going to try to replace Daryl Hannah with fucking... Channing Tatum. 
Oh, let's do a gender bend. It'll be amazing. Fuck you. Sorry, what were you talking about? Beauty and the Beast. Oh, yeah. Rawr. So, I don't think we need to go into any plot talk about this movie. I'd really like to chat with you about a little bit for, I mean, obviously we already touched on the effects and the way it's supposed to make you feel good watching a movie like this. But what did you, what did you think about the acting ability of the cast? We kind of talked about casting news and things like that, but what did you think about their actual performances? Okay. Um, I honestly, I I can't think of anything that I didn't like. Uh, I wasn't exactly sure if, uh, they were going to be singing their own parts, but then there was a kind of like a behind the scenes that they showed at the fan event before it started, where they talked about the additional songs and they showed uh, Bell and Gaston singing and talked about how um, Emma Watson hadn't really done this before. So also I had bought the soundtrack and even though I hadn't listened to it, I saw that she was going to be singing like it would told who was singing what. So I was kind of just curious I, I knew she could play the part. I was just, and I didn't doubt that she could sing. I was just curious how it was going to sound to my ears when someone else sang a song that I've heard a million times. So that moment where she steps out of the house and starts singing, I was like, all right, it's good. <laughs> no issues. Uh, same Did you find it to be auto-tuned a little bit? Um, That's been a lot of what people are saying out really? there. Is like, it sounded yeah. fine to me. I didn't really think about it. But even so, I mean... If it sounds good, I don't care how they got to that point. It's just like it's no different than using CGI or, you know, fake backgrounds. I think I saw a picture of the set and everything above the house is green screen. That's fine. Whatever you need to do to make it look. But it, it sounded fine. It didn't sound auto tuned to me. So I was happy with it. Um, I mean, the beast obviously has to be auto tuned because it's. We, well, yeah, it's not his well, not, exactly I don't even know if it's auto-tune, but filtered, I guess, right. is the right word, because it's Dan Stevens singing overlaid with the Beast's, I guess, filter. Let's just call yeah, it filter. Filter works. Yeah. Um, I thought her singing was fantastic. Yeah, I, I like, loved it. Uh, it. It is still a little weird to me, because I still, I've, I mean, I've not only seen the movies a million times, I have both the soundtrack for the, the film and the Broadway musical version and they're not that different and they're loaded up on my, I, um, on my iPod that's in my car. So if I ever want to hear it, it's right there. So it wasn't that I didn't like it. It's just that it was like when, when you've listened to it that many times, it's like, Whoa, it's like hearing another band cover your favorite band song. It doesn't mean you don't like it. It's just like, I, I, I like this, but it's different and I'm not used to it yet. So, you know, it's going to take some time, but, um, it didn't even, seem weird to me today when I watch it for the second time. I just, there's little pieces that I pick up that are sung a little bit differently. And I actually liked that. I liked that They, they let this movie be its own. They stuck to the story, but here and there, they let them make choices, make, make little changes to how it's sung or even some of the lines were changed and that ever, you know, none of those changes bothered me. So I'm really actually surprised I knew that I would like this movie. I'm surprised at how almost nothing got to me. Nothing bothered me. And there's, mm-hmm. there's really nothing that I go like, Oh, I wouldn't have made that change. And, um, you know, so the, the performances I thought were great. Uh, I'd like to talk about some of the changes and I know you haven't seen the movie in a while, so I don't know how much you remember about what was different, 
I have a couple. Um, well, if I could touch on that, I would say yeah, absolutely go for the, it. The, the changes or the the nuances in the styles of singing and the the styles of the music and adjusting things here and there. It's kind of like I would make it the comparison of listening to um, Johnny Cash singing "Hurt" by the Nine Inch Nails. Perfect. The Nine Inch Perfect. Nails song is yeah. amazing. Is, is an amazing song in and of itself. But then to hear Johnny sing it, it's like wow. This is the lyrics are almost more powerful. Mm-hmm. But it's it's not a song I listen to often because it evokes a completely different set of emotions with the exact same lyrics. Yep. So you look at a movie like this with a with a different singer, a different style, a different slightly different tempo or a different, you know, singing in a slightly different octave and things like that. And it's like these these lyrics are still great, the music's still great. It's just a slightly different experience. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's like, well, am I gonna eat chocolate ice cream or vanilla? I'm still getting ice cream. Yeah. Is it, am, I, am I drinking a am I drinking a Hefeweizen or a stout? I'm still drinking beer, baby. Like it's still all good. Yeah. What's the what's some of the changes that you want to bring up or had problems with or or what? Well, okay, so I guess the first one that you see is uh, that they give you a little more backstory about the beast before he was changed. The old the original version, the story is told through I think stained glass paintings, and all you yep, know is the- that. The, the, uh, I do remember that. I do remember that. Yeah. So the woman comes and offers him a rose and he won't let her in. And this time they show what his life was like and he taxed all the people so he could throw these big parties for himself. And you see that there were all these people in the castle when she came in, um, which in, originally you think, OK, well, they're all just his servants. But no, these, these were people that were just, just there to party, you know. Um, so I like that you get to see him as the prince, even though you don't see his face cause he's got, he's covered in makeup and he's got a wig on, but you, you see his life as the prince before he's, before he's changed. Um, the, the next change I can think of is you get a little bit of Gaston's backstory when he and LeFou are first riding in and they're talking about, he, he misses his days in the war and he misses that, that just being that hero. And, yep. um, so hero get, time. Yes. Yeah, so you get a little of that. Um, they, they changed up, um, Maurice. He wasn't a goofball. He was an artist and she was the inventor and she's, Mm -hmm. you know, in the, in the, in the original, she's reading books and he's making these crazy contraptions, which works in a cartoon. But if they had done him that way in a live action, it would have seemed silly. And he was a much more serious, sad character there's no mention of her mother in the original. Um, and I liked that about this one. So you get to see really who he is. He's sitting there making that. Was it, would you call it a music box? What he was making? I'm not I'd sure. say music box. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's inside is, is him painting his wife while holding bell, holding a, a baby version of bell. And you can tell that he really misses her. Bell asks about her mother and he doesn't want to talk about it. Uh, so you get some of Belle's backstory and Maurice's backstory. Um, the probably the most controversial change is Philippe, who was a brown horse in the original, and this one he's white. So I don't know Hollywood with the whitewashing. <laughs> I was like, where are you going with this? Is the most controversial? Like, what are you doing, dude? <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> there were there were some changes to like certain songs not being used or you know being cut different ways but i'm not even gonna nitpick that because really it's one of those things where i was watching it going wait 
there's more, but, but then I got sucked back in the story and just didn't care. Like they used the mm-hmm. parts that were needed. Um, I thought, um, you in the, in the animated, you know, Gaston's the bad guy. Cause you just kind of know, but you get to see a little more of how he treats people in this one where you had the three girls that are just kind of like swooning over him. And he's, he's, um, uh, getting the horse to like splash mud on him. He just could care less. Um, so you get a lot more of his character right away. But you then, do see. But then he made a creepy advance towards them right after Bell rejects them. I'm like, is he going to go after these girls? Now? Yeah, he was a bigger creep in this one. Yeah. Um, and of course, then there were the changes to just his interactions with LeFou, where you can tell that LeFou would do anything for him. He went from sidekick to a guy that is just clearly got a crush on, on Gaston, and Gaston has no clue. He's just kind of like. This is just the dude that follows me around because I'm so popular, you know. Um, but there were bigger changes, I think, as the film went on. Obviously, the, the scene that was added where he pulls out the book and is able to take her anywhere she wants to go. And she goes to Paris yeah. and sees how her family lived when she was a baby and f- figures out what happened to her mother. That was new, and it didn't bother me one bit that they added it. I thought it added a lot to the story in, in, the, in the animated. You never know why they moved to this town. She just kind of talks about how since we came here and there's no mention of her mother. So adds a lot kind of shows that they are outsiders in that town. They didn't grow up there or she didn't grow up there. They didn't live there since her birth or it's not her father's hometown kind of makes sense why they see him as an outsider, even though they, they toned him down. They didn't make him totally wacky from the beginning. Um, and then of course, I think your favorite part, uh, the Beast gets his own song towards the end. Love that song. Want to sing a little for us? No. Okay. Too bad. I'm going to cut some in. Wasting my lonely tower Waiting by an open door I'll fool myself she'll walk right in And be with me forevermore you can do some in post. I knew it. <laughs> um, and other changes here and there. They 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 took a segment from uh, a different movie and put it in here. And that was uh, the the whole part in the snow with the snowball fight is from uh, one of the directed video sequels called uh, Bell's Enchanted Christmas, which the scene it, the whole story takes place within the story of Beauty and the Beast. So that that sequel just fit kind of in that almost montage part of beauty and the beast where they're just kind of showing them get to know each other. It's there's a story in there that they did as its own movie. So they took a scene from that of them in the snow, uh, which was really cool. I thought the way they, they integrated that was, I didn't expect that. Uh, and, uh, are, are we going into spoilers here? <laughs> the way that Gaston, I'm in, Gaston dies was different. Wait, what? The way that Gaston dies was different. You never see him die. Okay, here we go. The way that Gaston falls to his possible death was different. Look, it hasn't been confirmed by the studio. Right. I told you. Return of Gaston. Gaston strikes back. Well, we'll say they they add a ton of backstory mm-hmm. to, to all the characters. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, it, and the segment where uh, Mrs. Potts talks about how when his father turned him into kind of a, a monster, not a, not the beast, yep. but just a monster of a person that they did nothing that helped a lot. And 
talking oh my about God. his mother dying and showing him as a little boy because the um the animated version is pretty rushed. They fall in love because because it's a Disney movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, yeah. Because they have to, or there's no movie. In this version, you get to see her start to see what the man that he once was, you know, his potential. They they changed the fact that he wasn't illiterate. He was very well read, which appealed to her because nobody in her town knew anything about books. So she had someone to talk to about books and it's still a bridge. It still jumps. I think it makes these time jumps. Um, but it, I think it made more sense why she starts to relate to him compared to the original. So good job there. Well, I will say this in the original, didn't they say that he, the, the last petal would fall on his 21st birthday or 25th birthday, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. They talked about a time frame, and this one just kind of skipped that. And you get the feeling that they, they, they are kind of frozen in time. Like they're not really aging, you know, chips, not turning into a bigger cup. The dog <laughs> isn't really aging in dog years. They're while they're in their form, they, they turn back to exactly where they left off. Did you see that fan theory as well? No. What were, what was it? There's a fan theory out there that uh, the when the Enchantress, when the Enchantress placed the curse upon him, she also placed a curse upon the entire town okay. that they would be stuck in a time loop. Hmm. Um, that when she says he has to fall in love, she knows that he never will because no one new comes to the town. Hmm. Right. Okay. So then when Belle and her father come to the town, or let me rephrase that, that no one in the town would possibly love him because he is that prince, that dick. Mm-hmm. So when Belle comes to the town, then, you know, years later she meets him and she's able to break them all out of this curse almost uh, because um, she doesn't know who he is. So she gets to to know who he truly is, uh, but everyone's uh, kind of broken from this time loop as, like you said, Chip doesn't age. Um, no one within the town has aged they're all still where they were when the events took place. Um, and then the enchantress is still in the town to watch over her curse or to keep it going. Interesting. That's why Agatha is there. Right. It's one of those things like, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> to sounds me, a, ultimately sounds a little too once upon a timey to me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for, for me, when you, when you listen to the, um, When you listen to the commentary in the beginning of the movie talking about years have passed, my only problem with it is they they say, you know, the days turned into years. Mm -hmm. Um, And you see what I do like about this is every time a petal falls, the the castle starts to crumble more and more. I thought that was a really cool technique. Um, But in the course of this movie, which if you again listen to the the dialogue, um, you know, when – uh, Gaston and the Fu tie up Maurice out uh, in the woods and Agatha finds him. It's been five days. Mm-hmm. So she has been at the castle for, let's call it less than a week. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's six days. Maybe it goes into seven. If you talk in travel time, whatever, let's call it less than seven days. So for me, four petals fell within f- seven days. Mm. That was a little crazy to me. That was a little weird there. That's a little like loophole-y or. Um, I was just yeah. starting to think that as it got closer to the end, they were falling faster because they. Could absolutely that. The servants were talking about how they were getting closer and closer. They knew the end was coming. They talked about the wardrobe, how she couldn't even stay awake anymore. And that was, seemed to be a new thing, you know, 
that that was a, like a symptom of they're, they're getting towards the end. That's, that's kind of how I interpreted it, but I could be wrong. Um, I can see that. I also figured, yeah, the days turned to years, but it was probably just a couple of years. What I, what one thing that I liked that I don't know if I would, excuse me. I don't know if I would call it a change or more that maybe this was always the plan. It was just never stated was they talked about the, the curse affecting the town and making them forget that the castle was even there. Yeah. Um, I liked that because that cleared up a lot of things from the original. And I loved the fact that she runs into Mr. Potts in the beginning of the film and you don't know it's Mr. Potts. And she asks him if he's forgotten something and he says, yes, but he can't, or he's lost something, but he can't remember what it is. Yep. And it took me a while. I didn't even catch it in the first film. It kind of occurred to me later. And then when I was watching it today, I was like, ah, okay, that makes sense now. But he's missing his wife and son and doesn't know that he's missing his wife and son. Uh, Yeah. So that was really cool. Little, little things they slipped in that weren't super important to the plot, but, um, you got a little payoff at the end. Oh yeah. I forgot I was going to, I was going to say, uh, Cogsworth as well. <laughs> His reaction was a little different. Turn back to a clock. To his, turn back to a clock. Turn back to a clock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to his, his hag of a wife. She was a mean person. Mm-hmm. What did you think of the Disney exclusively gay moment in the movie? Didn't bother me at all. People need to. People need to get over it. It's 2017. It. It. I, it was actually so much smaller than I expected it to be based on what the, the freak out that came before the movie that, um, I had this moment when I was watching the second time where right when the party at the end, after they've all transformed back started, I saw a woman get up with her child and start walking out. And I was like, are you serious? Is she like, knows what's about to happen and doesn't want her kid to see it. But then I realized that they just thought the movie was over because they, when they saw there were still more, they stopped and watched, they stood up, like they st- stood by the exit and watched until the credits started. So I was like, okay, mm-hmm. but I started to get really angry. Like, really? <laughs> You're not going to let your kids see the end of the movie because of just one little, little thing, but it's so innocuous too. Yeah, exactly. I mean the, the scene when in the, I don't know what you want to call it, the battle where, uh, the what is this, like a boudoir? What is the the wardrobe? Yes, the oh, wardrobe. She uh, dresses the three guys up. Yeah, yeah, and one of the guys is all happy that he's in a dress and yeah. stuff. I mean, I would think there'd be more outrage about that than two di- two guys. What they didn't even dance. They like spun around and hugged each other, basically. Uh-huh. You know, and I don't even know why we had to talk about it. Why did that have to be brought up? There was nothing risque or promiscuous or insulting to the traditional family values and all this bullshit that everyone went up in arms about just at the idea of one of Disney's classic characters being gay. It's the same thing. Like when star Trek came out and said, Sulu's gay Mm -hmm. and everyone was up in arms. And all he does is I don't even think he, I don't even remember if he kisses his husband in the, he like picks up his daughter, grabs yeah, his husband, they walk off. It's, it's like, more implied than anything. get the fuck out of here, man. Why are you so up in arms about this? Like, well, I compared it to, um, what, two years ago when people were freaking out that 
uh, Star Wars was going to have a black stormtrooper and that the, the main one of the leads is black. And how can the, you can't do that? And I'm like, says who? It's just it. I think sometimes we forget that people think this way. It's like you kind of know. But for the longest time, it, it was more underground and people weren't willing to speak out <laughs> about this. And and I think we got comfortable thinking that people had uh, caught up with the times. But I really don't think. No, have, you know, and I don't want to get political, but it just seems like it, we're in a climate now where people feel like it's OK to start saying stuff like that again. You know what I mean? If that makes sense. Yeah. I don't want to really oh, yeah. I don't really want to dive into it, but I just feel like the people that feel that way. They didn't go away. They didn't change their minds. They just got quiet for a time. And now that they feel that it's okay, it's okay to be like this, you know, to be very vocal about it again. And I, it just blows me away. I just don't understand that in this day and age, people still, because what it says to me is it's, it's more than just like, oh, they shouldn't show that. It's that they don't, they're still not accepting that this is fact. This is how people live. This is how people are. And, it's okay to make a film that is representative of the people watching it. Well, and I'll, I'll say this, when you look at a film like this and let's, let's take it as this is an actual story, mm-hmm. right? Let's take all films as if they are snippets into past or future events. Okay. This is a story about, you know, some magic happening in a small French village Two gay men. Okay. Maybe that, you know, back in the day, maybe that was a little, um, uncouth or not spoken about or you know grab your kids and usher them away but when you take something like a star wars movie or star trek movie or even a star wars movie that we're getting speculation there may be the first gay star wars um character but when you take a look at something like that when it's talking about forward thinking why doesn't even need to be said right like for me to think that there's an uprage about someone being gay in the future well that's just who they are that's going to be a fact in the future. If you look at the way that social norms are changing, it sucks shit now, right now to deal with that kind of stuff, but you gotta be, I'm hoping the gay community looks to the future and goes, it's going to be so much better. You know, it's going to be so much better. And when, when you look through that prism of a movie and you look towards what the future could hold that simple scene in star Trek, where basically if you want to think about it in terms of today's, um, kind of structure, a Navy man got off his boat, picked up his child, mm-hmm. gave his lover a warm embrace and walked off. That's all I saw. Mm-hmm. But some people are so infuriated and fired up about two men or two women. And it's like, like you said, I thought we were getting past this, but then you see the outrage of the internet which is just a faceless mass right it's just the worst of human beings on the internet and it's like wow we're nowhere near (laughs) we're nowhere near finding that middle ground or finding that 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 utopia that we hope to have one day yeah and it's it's very unnerving yeah and like i said sometimes i forget how far away we are and then things like this happen and but I will tell you this, and I, I get that part of it was because I went to the fan event, so I'm there with like the super fans. When that scene happened at, on the opening night, the crowd erupted when he got to, to dance with the other guy. And mm-hmm. things like that kind of restore my faith in humanity that for sure. every, every person that complained 
there's someone that not only was okay with it, but cheered for it when it happened, you know? Sure. So I have to try to keep those things in mind sometimes. Otherwise I get a little too depressed. But well, it's it, kind of like the, really uh, just the, um, it's just the loudest people, you know, the things that we're hearing are the people that are just the loudest. I'm sure there's plenty of people that have unpopular pins and are, uh, unpopular opinions and are keeping to themselves and makes me nervous that they, they're still passing that kind of thinking down to their kids. But I think we're getting to a point that things are going to be so accepted, especially the fact that now it's in a Disney movie that kids are going to get to a point where they're just going to be like, I don't get what the big deal is. I don't know what my parents yeah. are complaining about. Like it didn't bother me any at all, you know? So yeah. I'm, I remain hopeful. Or if you look at reviews online, the biggest reviews, um, the long, the most long-winded reviews are usually the negative reviews, right? And those are the people that are so mad about one thing that they'll just rant and rave. Right. But you might have one person out of a hundred that's mad, and the other ninety-nine are like, "I'm cool. Yeah, I don't need to say anything because I enjoyed this." And I think what you're talking about too is, is that hopefully that way of thinking and that t- changing of the tides, where the loudest and most noisiest are are in an uproar but they're the minority. They're the 1% and the 99% is okay with it and wants to move forward and not even deal with it because to them it is going to be, or is the norm. Mm-hmm. This got political real fast. <laughs> Disney. Well, you know, uh, we didn't make a political. <laughs> I mean, it, you, it's hard to, I think it's hard to do a review of this movie without actually talking about it because that was the, such a big thing, the outrage before the film came out and it was, such a nothing thing it's um it made me happy that they did it that they were bold enough to just put it put it in there it's it's not like disney made a movie with a gay character it's disney remade an existing movie and they didn't necessarily even change anything because you can't watch the other one and prove to me that he wasn't gay it's just that they decided that we're showing we're going deeper into these characters. We're giving you backstory on Belle. We're giving you backstory on the Beast. We're giving you backstory on Gaston. We're going to give you a little more on LeFou. And guess what? He's gay. No big deal. But people made it into a big deal, which I I can't say that I'm that surprised. It's just, really? <laughs> you know, is that kind of reaction? Like, is this, you know, you still, I guess you still think it's okay to to complain about this? I understand that people think that way. Well, I don't understand why they think that way. I understand that they do think that way, but I was just kind of surprised that people are still comfortable enough to get up and, and be this loud about it. But like you said, it's, it's a small percentage. They're just super, super loud or those people that write reviews and be all they ever do is write negative reviews and they end up writing a longer review because they want to tear everything down rather than just go, all right, one star didn't like it. You know, not for me. Yeah. I was talking to a friend just today about, online reviews and i was like you know i i don't ever actually go review anything i didn't like because i don't care enough you know i won't go write a a review of a podcast that i don't care for because i'll just stop listening to and move on to something else so i only only give five star reviews if it's not a five star review podcast i don't have time to listen to it so why would i have time to review it but there are just a lot of trolls out there that's that's what they get off on is you know being this anonymous (sighs) person that tears other people down and I, I don't know how people can live that way. I think it's exhausting. Yeah. It's got to be, right? Well, I will say this. I, I didn't hear any argument, and I'm glad you had uh, Lumiere and Lumette, mm-hmm. a white man and a black woman. Yep. And you had Madame Garderobe and Maestro Cadenza, mm-hmm. 
black woman, white male. Yep. In I I don't I don't know if they were all married, but you know, multiple mixed relationships yep. and hopefully this is kind of a, a showing of the changing of the tide where, you know, I was thinking the same thing. I was wondering if did no one complain because they're over it or did no one complain because they had this other thing to latch on to and complain about, you know, so mm-hmm. if they hadn't done the thing with LeFou, would we have heard that? So I'm not, I'm not sure. Plus here's the other thing too, is that, the um, kind of announcement about LeFou being gay came out before the movie was released. And I don't know that we really knew what the nature of everybody's relationship would be in this film True. until it was out with, with uh, especially with the wardrobe and, and I'm just gonna say the wardrobe and the piano. Cause I don't have the names in front of yeah. me. You know <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. But that, that sort of thing. So I, I I'm curious, but uh, yeah. Dust buster in the candlestick. Yeah. Well, I knew them, <laughs> but I mean, um, it just makes me wonder, but that, that I, I want to just, uh, you know, be positive and say that we made some progress. I'd like to think that we've made some progress. Yeah. And I mean, speaking of the food, you have a great actor in Josh Gad who yeah. just, it's like taking the world by storm lately and who is just a, an amazing uh, singer songwriter in his own accord. Um, and I did not know Luke Evans. I was watching an article about this, uh, after I watched the original or after I watched, uh, my original showing, but I did not know that Luke Evans had a, uh, music theater background. And I've, I've seen Luke Evans in other productions, you know, most notably one of the, the, one of the most recent fast and furious movies, but I had no idea he had that background and his voice is fantastic. I was actually watching a couple clips, you know, reliving the original beauty and the beast since I don't have it on any kind of form of media I was on the YouTube, just watching clips. And I got to say, I like his voice better than the original Gaston mm. actually by both of them better than the originals. Um, I, I'm sure you're cutting my throat open right now with a, a mystical knife, but no, no, go ahead. Um, <laughs> I, I thought they were fantastic. I, mean, I like got, I like Josh Gad's voice period. Um, but Luke Evans, I thought he had a great singing voice and played that well, that that part so well. Just such a arrogant prick. When he jumps the fence and stomps on her, her cabbages, I want to stab that dude in the heart. Right? Oh my god! You're just you're trying to woo the woman you supposedly love, and you just stepped on her three of her six cabbages. You bastard! It's just kind of like it. It really just shows how self-involved he is that he doesn't even really notice. He's just. You know, there's that scene where you think he's looking at her talking about you're you're the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And he's looking in the mirror, you know, I saw that. one. <laughs> and and so it's that kind of thing where. I mean, I, yeah, I saw it coming, too, but it just shows it shows his character. He's just thinking about himself. Um, but yeah. The thing, the reason I was talking to my friend Melanie about this, and I told her at one point that like Gus, I was worried about them doing Gaston Justice because he was my favorite villain from the old cartoons. And she said he wasn't hers, but the reason he was always my favorite was, and this is, this is, I think you and I have talked about this. Maybe it was when we reviewed get out about how, um, horror movies that are like, uh, anything sort of magical, mystical, science fictiony fantasy. Don't bother me, you know, cause, or, or supernatural in any way. Don't bother me. Cause to me, I'm like, I don't believe in any of that stuff. So it's just kind of like, this is just entertainment. Um, 
horror movies where the killer is just a guy, just a really messed up, deranged guy. Those are the ones that get to me because I'm like, yeah, that could happen. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. It's the reason like I, I never watched. The movie. That's why I don't go in the country. Yeah, right. Exactly. So the reason that I think that Gaston always stood out to me is like. One of the, the cruelest the new villains. dudes like him. Well, he's he's not a magical half woman, half octopus that can take away your voice. He that that has like the motives as I'm going to take over the sea or take over the world. He's just a dude that wants to marry this woman so bad he would have her father committed. He's just creepy, Asshole. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So to me, um, part of the reason like he's my favorite villain is because it was my favorite movie. So I've seen it enough times to just really appreciate what they did with the character. But I also think there's this level to him that it's just like that guy exists. He exists. He oh, yeah. may not be named Gaston, but he exists. And there's a lot of him, you know? So you, you, you enjoy seeing something bad happen to him by the end of the film, whether you want to admit it or not. <laughs> His yeah. name is Alex and he lives in apartment three B. <laughs> you don't go by Alex's house. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we all know a Gaston, you know what I mean? Uh, I thought the casting of, of Kevin Klein was fantastic. Oh, he was so good. It took me a quick second. I don't know why I was watching it. And I'm like, who is this? Who is this? Oh my God. Yeah. Like I love, I love him. So having him in that role and his first scene where he's sitting there, I think you have to watch it a couple of times to fully get all the nuances, but seeing him sit there and he's, you know, watching the music box play and doing little, little work on it. And you don't really fully understand the pain that he's expressing in his eyes and his, his facial features there and his little song. And you don't, you don't, you can kind of, you know, hear like what's going on, like what, why is he so emotional, right? But once you get to the story and you understand that's, that's him, in that music box, mm-hmm. watching his wife die, and you get this great backstory of of his wife had the contracted the plague, and he basically grabbed Belle and ran, yeah. get her away from there. Oh man, like I watched it a second time, and I'm just like. Hard on the floor, like, dude, this guy gave up so much for his daughter and he just loves her so much. It's it's another just little piece of beautiful adage they put into this this uh, reproduction. Were you aware of who was playing the Beast before the movie came out? Um, I probably heard his name, but I... I don't think I know him from anything. What do you, if you have it in front of you, what's he been in? Well, most recently for me, uh, he is playing the lead character in a little TV show called Legion. Really? Which is about, okay. So yes, <laughs> I, uh, I did not make that connection. I've only watched the first episode of Legion and I watched it after I had seen beauty and the beast the first time, but before I watched it the second time today and I still did not make that connection. I did not know. I think I said this a second ago. I did not look into any of the casting. I knew Emma Watson. Um, when Emma Watson got casted, I said, okay, I'm watching this movie. I put it on my calendar when they announced the release date, and I really haven't looked into it. And then as the trailers come out, you know, it's like, oh, Luke Evans, okay. Oh, Stanley Tucci's in there for a quick second. All right. 
Oh, Ewan McGregor. Awesome. You know, you start to catch these, these actors cause you hear their voices or you hear little, you know, introducing, you see the title screens on Facebook and stuff. Yeah. Um, but you know, no offense if you're listening, uh, Dan Stevens, but when I heard Dan Stevens as the beast, I'm like, okay, they got a guy to play the beast. I didn't know who he was. Cause you don't see him. You see him as the beast. Yep. They don't give the reveal. Right. Yep. Even in the first scene when he's covered in makeup, I didn't know who he was. Yeah. Then he becomes the beast. It wasn't until he turns around surrounded by rose petals after the magic takes place that I'm literally sitting there going, is that the dude from Legion? Like that's, it immediately took me out of the movie for a quick second. Cause I'm like, what the fuck? And then I went back in to enjoy the end where he's dancing in his high shoes, mm-hmm. um, his high yeah. heels. <laughs> and I immediately, as soon as the credits rolled up, I, I opened my phone and started looking at it. I'm like, Holy crap. Gotcha. You're like, where do I know this guy from? Yeah. I was like, that dude looks like the dude from Legion. Like what? Cause he's, and apparently Dan Stevens is British. Didn't know that he has a great American accent, mm-hmm. but I started looking him up and I'm like, dude, this guy is awesome. And and when I looked into watching interviews and stuff, because I was just fascinated by him, he had to do his own singing and dancing for the movie. What he went through as the beast just sounded like awesome mixed with horror mixed with uncomfortableness to be on 10 inch stilts in every single scene yeah. as the beast with a giant 40 pound rubber suit on and a thousand dots all on his face so they could track him and stuff. And just all these kind of, you know, having to do every scene, then go back and reshoot every scene in a small, like it took, I don't know if you've seen what they had to do for him or, or heard what they had to do for him, but they put him in a box with like, 10 cameras or something and a thousand dots on his face. And he had to recreate every facial expression wow. and redo every line so that they could then match his face to the scene mm-hmm. and reshape him as the beast. And it's like, damn dude, this dude went through like, it's not like Emma, Emma, Emma Watson is acting against, you know, a tennis ball on a stick. Right. She's acting against him, which is great because you get real responses and real interaction. But then he had to go back and redo every single piece of work. Every 10 days, he said they had to redo every single piece of work in this other little booth just for facial features. And for him, he now has to act against nothing. That's unbelievable. That's crazy. That's some dedication, though. I I I give him so many props. He's... His song, I know we talked about it earlier, his song Evermore is by far my favorite song of the movie. And that may be sacrilegious to some to say because there's some great songs in there, but no, so much passion. Yeah, that song was great. That song was great. I, I've, um, I've only listened to the soundtrack like once or twice because the CD player in my car is terrible and discs just get stuck in there. And I hadn't transferred over to my iPod yet. And I'm, I'm going uh, <laughs> to... I remember a couple of days ago when you said you had the beast song in your head, I couldn't remember what you were referring to. So I was paying special attention to it today and I was like, Oh, this song got it. Yes. I could see how you would have this in your head, but yeah, it's fantastic. And that's, and that's what I meant by. Damn it. I'm getting all tangled up in wires. So at the fan event that I went to, they had a clip. Be- they, they played a few things beforehand. They played like the music video for beauty and the beast by, um, What's that girl that licked the donuts? Selena Gomez? Yeah. Was, I think no, Ariana Grande? Ariana yeah, Grande? yeah, yeah, Ariana Grande. It was, I think, her and John Legend. And, you know, I, I 
I could have skipped that. Although there were some scenes in the video that were pretty interesting. She had these people dancing, or these girls dancing around her and she was wearing a red dress and they were wearing red dresses. And they like, when they all hit the floor, it looked like a rose opening and closing. So there were some mm. cool visuals in it and they were playing the song in, in the, the section of the castle where you see the, the dance with the yellow dress. But um, then they had a clip of them doing some behind the scenes stuff. And it was mostly about the music and that was the first time that I had heard any mention of new songs. And I was thinking to myself, my first reaction was, what do you mean new songs? We don't need new songs. You don't need to, you don't need to put new songs. <laughs> um, <laughs> the songs are perfect. And then I kind of remembered that, well, when they did the musical version, they, they added a couple songs and that didn't bother me. So, you know, they, they, they made mention that they added a few new songs. They added pieces to new songs. Like there's a new line. There's a new line in the Beauty and the Beast song. I can't remember what it is. I can't remember the first line, but the second piece is famine turns to feast and then beauty and the beast. But anyways, it was like, they just added this one line and I was like, okay. So when, when the movie started, I was watching for, okay, let's see these new songs. And I, obviously there was the, the dance number at the beginning when the, um, sorceress comes, but then also the first one that really stood out was, okay, Kevin Klein got a little song, a really short song. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the big one at the end with the bee singing, I was like, okay, that made it better. <laughs> yeah. So I can't complain about new songs at all. So it was, it was a kind of a roller coaster for me of like, like I said, super protective of this movie and wanting to believe that they could change it for the better. But you remember a long time ago, and I know I always bring everything back to star Wars. It's like when they first announced the Han Solo movie, it's like, I want to believe it'll be good but I almost wish you wouldn't make it. Cause if it's bad, <laughs> I'm going to yeah. go, you didn't need to make this movie. You know what I mean? So it was the same kind of feeling where, all right, if you can find a way to make this movie just as good, then fine. I don't know if I believe you can improve on something that to me over the years, I've always felt was perfect, but there was the fear that what if it's not as good? And then I'm going to wish you just hadn't even bothered. So oh, yeah. they, they totally blew my mind with the fact that when it was over, I went, it's not a case of me going like nobody said to me, which one do you like better? The animated or the, the new, or if they have, I've forgotten they've asked. Cause it's to me, it's not an, it's not a, which is better. It's just an apples and oranges. I love them both. And I can't wait until it's out on home media so I can own them both. And some days I'll feel like watching the original and some days I'll feel like watching the new one. And it doesn't have to be a, which one was better. Now I am glad that I didn't feel like it was worse. Cause that would be, that would be a big letdown. Well, let me ask you this, which one was better? <laughs> I knew, as soon as I said that, I was like, "Damn it, he's gonna have uh, apples and oranges." I was, baby. I was just, I was just waiting. I was just waiting. Like, get it done, get it done. I gotta get this joke out. I think, I think when it does <clears> come <throat> out on on Blu-ray or digital download, I'll probably end up watching this one more for a time, and then it will even out, kind of thing, you know, because it's fresh and it's new, and there's still so many things to see that I haven't seen, but. Just like when I saw it the first night in the theater, the first thing I wanted to do when I got home was watch the old one again. You know, I wanted to then then start doing the comparisons. Okay, they changed this, they changed that, or things I picked up on in the live action to go back to the animated and see if that was in the background somewhere. You know, that kind of thing. I can't honestly. I'm and I'm I'm sure you can tell. I can't say enough good things about this movie. I absolutely loved this movie, and I know that we are for the most part pretty positive on this podcast. But I think that's just because we seek out the movies that we like. But you know, between this and Logan and a few others we've seen this year, it's like, this is death race. 
You should have released that one on April Fool's Day. Death Race. <laughs> well, I'm speaking specifically. Oh, I guess Death Race did come out this year, didn't it? I was going to no. say, no, it didn't. It was tail end of last year. No, it was this year. All right. You should cut all this out because we shouldn't even say the words <clears throat> Death Race on this, on this Beauty and the Beast podcast. This is horrible. <laughs> <laughs> but just uh, some of the things that we've reviewed so far this year. And we're only like, what, 15, 16 episodes in. I guess this is number 17. We've seen some really good movies. So this is going to be a great year. I mean, and the bar is already really high. Oh my God, the bar is high. Speaking of high bars, let's take a look at the numbers because yeah. I'm dying. I'm dying to look at that. So I heard, like, so as of, I've heard no one's going to see this movie, right? It was, uh... <laughs> so it's, it's almost, almost broken even. Um, they really need to push in this third week to really get over that hump. Well, I'm, I'm lying. Yeah, Everyone, I, know. I, was, I was waiting for it. So <laughs> they, they've made all the money. There's no money all, left in the world. All because the all money went to Disney. <laughs> it's, it's really gross that how much money Disney is just pumping out. Mm. So this movie had a production budget of about 160. And I think we've talked about this before, as far as CGI, taking up probably a huge chunk of that. Now there's definitely some set production, um, set design, costuming. That's going to take up a lot of that budget as well. But the CGI is absolutely the overwhelming cost there, right? Mm-hmm. Every hair that the beast has, has to be digitally produced and make sure it quaffs the right way. And it, it drags and it blows in the wind. And there's a lot of production there. I don't think there was a single scene of CGI that was out of place in this movie. So you know they were spending top dollar on oh, that. Yeah, yeah. Now, you know, the rule of thumb typically double the budget, at least half or double the budget. Do you think this got $100 million in marketing? I've seen a lot of marketing for it. Disney, I don't know how much they really spend on Star Wars um, advertisement because they get so much advertisement with all of the crossover. You know, you can't buy a bag of chips that doesn't have Jin and Cassian on it right now, you know, that kind of stuff where Star yeah. Wars is everywhere and I don't know how much they're really paying for it. But I think when they do their own movies like this and an, an official Disney film, it's you see it everywhere. So they probably spent a good amount. Well, let's say a production budget of 160. Let's say they spent 90 on sure. market. Make it a nice round even number of 250. This movie made in its opening weekend, it made 174. Wow. Just under 175 opening weekend, three days. What the f- What? Bananas. So far, domestically, just a mex- domestic box office made just over two, 325. So it has absolutely made its money back and then some. Then you throw in the foreign market and it's made another 385. So you're talking just over 710. I don't feel like it's slowing down either because, I mean, obviously there's a drop off from opening weekend, but uh, wasn't it still number one in the second week? Yep. Yeah. It's first weekend it made 100 and, uh, just under 175. It's second weekend and it made just over 90. And that's domestic box office. So my question to you, and we can do a follow-up when we actually review this movie, is uh, Ghost in the Shell comes out this weekend. Does it defeat Beauty and the Beast, or do you think Beauty and the Beast stays on top? 
I think the Beauty and the Beast will stay on top. Okay. I don't, I don't necessarily want that to be the case. I think Ghost in the Shell is an amazing uh, anime. I think Scar- Scarlett Johansson looks fantastic in it. It looks true to the source material. It's a weird ass anime. Yeah. Like, it's a weird ass storyline in general. I don't know how much. Again, I don't have live TV. The only time I see uh, things like this is when I seek it out, or if someone posts something on Facebook talking about they think it looks great, or if I've been watching videos and then my, um, you know, Facebook algorithms start plugging me with stuff I've already seen. So I don't know how much press is out there for this in the mainstream. But I think Beauty and the Beast is not – it's not slowing down very much. No. Um, of course, it's going to have those – it's going to have those weekday lulls. But, I mean, you look at what it did during the week and then how it just popped back up in on the weekend. Right. Uh, and I think if if we're any indicators, some uh, big fans are going to be coming around for a couple additional viewings as the theaters start to get less and less. Like I'm, I'm thinking about going and seeing it in 3D, but I'm probably going to wait two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and do it on a, an off night on one of those slow nights so I can get a good seat in a 3D theater but not be surrounded by, you know, eight-year-olds. And that's the thing. You know, the hype was <clears throat> huge for this, so obviously I had a big weekend, but then it delivered. It was such a great movie that you are going to get a lot of people that want to go back and see it over and over again. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if they come back around with, like, a, a sing-along version where they put the words up on the screen and it's going to, you know, it'll get another spike then. But... They'll they'll do some things to to squeeze out as much money as they can from this before they go to home home media, um, and I honestly I I want to see it a couple more times before it before it comes you know I, I know I could just be patient and wait and then watch it at home but this is another one that I really enjoy the theatrical experience of so I plan to see it I bet you I'll see it at least five times total before it leaves theater if not more. Well, let's let's look at this. This movie has been out for less than 14 days. It's already made 711 million dollars. I give it what another four days, and it'll give it another weekend. And it'll crack a billion. Yeah, huge. Whew. It was interesting too in the way they did the end credits, where they showed everyone and they did it nice and slow. You got the feeling that they really knew they nailed the cast. They were giving the audience time to cheer, which you don't see at movies that often because you're applauding for people that aren't in the room. <laughs> but but I really felt it both times I saw it. Like There was almost kind of like this like nod to the audience, like, yeah, we know. We know we nailed it. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, tell me tell me a cast member that didn't, didn't work in perfectly. No, you can't. They were great. Amazing. It really did kind of feel like the way they, they brought them up one at a time. It felt like you were watching a musical where every like one, one at a time they come out and bow, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I was almost expecting them to, to after they showed uh, Emma Thompson to, sh- to then show all of the cast standing together and take a bow. <laughs> I wouldn't have been shocked, but they knew, they knew they nailed it with this movie. And I think that's why you saw things like a $35 ticket to see it three hours early because they knew that people were dying to see this thing. And it's those those showing sold out. It was nuts. Well, I bought my tickets. Well, I paid. I bought my tickets way in advance for opening night. I let me rephrase. I bought my ticket opening night, yeah. <laughs> and then I bought additional tickets for Sunday, and that was purchased that on Monday or Tuesday. 
in advance. Like I still went well in advance and the theater was packed. Mm-hmm. So I don't, it just, I don't think it has any signs of slowing down no. as far as take a look at Rotten Tomatoes and look at cinema score and things like that. Where do you think this ranks for uh, audiences and critics? Audience score ninety plus. Yeah. And critics? Well, tell me if I'm right there before I decide on critics. Nope. Really? Eighty six. Ooh. That's terrible. Yeah, six sixty three thousand over sixty three thousand uh, people have ranked it. Okay, I'm gonna be right back. Well, actually, I'll be back in about an hour and a half. I need to go vote. Over and over and over. Um, Jeez. Critics. Critics always, I think, are lower. Ugh. I'll put them in the low. I'm going to be optimistic. I'll put them in the low 80s. Mm. 70s? 69. Weak. GTFO. That's top critics if you look at all critics, which have but more. It's 70. Ridiculous. Which I don't, I don't really understand. I'm sure some of them just knock it, first of all, because it's just... A, just a remake, even though they did a hell of a job, you know, I, I, and there's always going to be the comparisons. And if someone is super attached to the original, like me, and then something they didn't like, you're going to get some that complained that anything was changed and some that complained that not enough was changed, but they're all wrong. Every single one of them. <laughs> this was a delightful movie. I mean, realistically, it's like if you if you want to say uh, it deviated from the original, okay, with the little size, you know, additional backstory, uh, a gay cast member, uh, a mystical trip to Paris, that knocks it down to set. I mean, what did you? What did, I want to know what these critics gave the original animated film? Because then, how do you? Comp- yeah. I want to know what they compare the two like. No, I'm really angry now. I'm sorry. It's a tale as old as time. Yeah, now I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick sad and crying. It's all right. When we stop recording, I'll just go watch 91 Beauty and the Beast and I'll be happy again. Fun Frisco and the Bees. That's the title. Yeah. That's the title of this one. On Frisco and the Bees, talk about Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> Just call it Patrick and the Bees. It's got the same syllables. I like the, the alliteration there. The almost alliteration. I do want to leave it on one note. I, I do find it interesting with Emma Watson in this fantastic role. Mm-hmm. Um with the space that's come between uh, in terms of years between her role as, as Hermione and now her role as Belle, I find it really interesting to think that an entire new generation of young girls are going to grow up with her as Belle. Yeah, that is interesting. Not Hermione. Mm-hmm. Um, and going to have a whole new role model for young girls. Um, and kind of the, uh, I think this character encompassed her so much mm-hmm. But you're right. I mean, there's been a gap since Harry Potter. There are people that are the perfect age to come into Beauty and the Beast right now that haven't even seen Harry Potter yet, and we'll discover it later. And so they'll be like, oh, my God, 
the bell is in the Harry Potter movies. It's going to be backwards, you know? Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's cool. I mean, I, I love that she didn't get typecast as just one character and never had a career again after that. Like a lot of people do when they do a, even a trilogy, let alone a film series that, that she was in eight movies, you know, that um, she's still going to have a really great career. But I think the character of Belle matches up so much with mm-hmm. Emma Watson herself. You know, she went to Brown and got a degree in English. She's known for, you know, throughout New York, leaving literary novels and, and great pieces of uh, literary history just kind of scattered throughout the city for people to find and enjoy. And it's like she is the proverbial bookworm. I mean, she yeah. played the character so well as Hermione. She, But she connected to that because that's who she was as a child as well. And she just she finds these roles that she's able to take and find a piece of herself in them, and then make them into something grand. Um, I think she was fantastic in this movie. She's, you know, the the breakout song for me is Evermore by by Dan Stevens, but the breakout role or the the most captivating role is absolutely Emma Watson. Oh, for sure. And I don't. Care. And I would have been sad if it had been any other way. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Couldn't take my eyes off her when she was on the screen. And I don't care if that makes me a basic bro. Yep. So when she's, she's standing there looking out and he's, he's hanging out with Philippe kind of walking with the horse and she's just standing there kind of like thinking to herself, singing to herself about it. And, um, it's a portion of the song, something there where they're starting to both kind of feel something, right. They're both starting to realize there's something more than a friendship or more than a connection or whatever. She does this little, like, kind of giggle to herself and it's like that's just so cute like that's yeah. just that's just so nice <laughs> and it's just it's real though like you could see that's emma watson just having fun in the role quick tangent yeah do you watch or did you watch once upon a time uh i'm i'm a <clears throat> i'm behind yeah i'm like two years behind on it Okay, I'm not that far back. I, I might be a. I dropped out completely. Like I, I feel like I'll probably catch up did you, someday. When did I'm you go to the underworld? Uh, I think that maybe that's where I left. I don't. I don't really remember where I left off. But Hades. But what do you think of Bell on that show? Um. Well, I don't think I can answer what I think about Bell without addressing Beauty and the Beast in the aspect of that show. Like I love the idea that they went with that, um, that the beast is not the beast. The beast is rumple. Mm-hmm. Um, and their kind of interaction and the way they engage with each other. I think she, I like her. Mm-hmm. Um, their whole love story is a little weird and you know, the back and forth of that all kind of gets annoying. Um, but as a standalone, like if you take Rumpelstiltskin out of it, if you take gold out of it, I think she's smart, strong, studious, beautiful. Um, why do you ask? What's Where's this going? No, I was just curious. I, it just didn't work for me. And it's probably <coughs> because it's my favorite, favorite, I don't even want to say Disney princess, but because it's my favorite Disney movie. Like for me, I get that Once Upon a Time strays and that's that's fine. That's part of the show, but... I felt that they just want to plug in lost actors wherever they can and that they didn't necessarily. And I don't have anything against the actress at all, period. But it just she didn't didn't fit for me. 
So uh, see, I, I never watched Lost, so I have no idea what that means. Oh, okay. Well, you know, she's from she's Lost. She's on Lost. She's from Lost. <laughs> they bring over tons of people from Lost. It's, it's yeah, a lot, I know it's that. It's a lot of the same creative team behind it. And I almost yep. just felt like, okay, so they they needed they needed to bring her over and they just assigned her as Belle, you know, and it just didn't it didn't work for me and it rubbed me the wrong way every time she's on screen. Even though, like I said, don't have a problem with the actress, didn't have a problem with her on Lost. It's just wouldn't have a problem with her being on the show if she was in a different role. I was just I think maybe that's part of why I eventually fell off the show. I was just kinda like every time she's on, I'm like, that's not Belle. I'm, hashtag not my Belle. So it makes me that much happier that they got it right this time with the movie. Um, yeah, I have, I have no opinion like that. Negative one way or the other. I guess if I have a negative opinion about the show or, or casting on the show, it's uh, their treatment of Mulan. Mm. Uh, Jamie Chong, I think, is a great actress, and I don't really – I was going to say – when we, was, we were thinking about the live action Mulan, I was like, oh man, Jamie Chung, wait, she's already is playing Mulan. What the fuck am I talking about? Like, I think there's a lot of great young uh, Asian or Asian American actresses out there that could really do a great job in the, uh, in a Mulan standalone. Um, most notably the, the girl that played, uh, Colleen Wing and I was Iron Fist. That. That's how I, was, like, I was like trying think, not to jump in, but I was like, I need to say it before he does. Yes. <laughs> but I think she's a little too old to play that role. Yeah, I mean, I, I could see that too, but she'd be my pick if, if you know, sky's the limit. Make her look really well, old. It's, yeah. It's going to be it's gonna be interesting to see where they go with that. Is she going to be a young girl or is she going to be a young woman? Um, if she's going to be a young woman, I think you've already got the casting right there. Boom. Get her in there. Mm-hmm. Um, granted, I don't know. She looks a little bit more whitewashed she looks a little more half white i don't know what to call it you know i don't know if they're going for like full chinese look mm. you know who knows what they're going to be doing with it is it going to be kung fu wushu is it going to be kur- if they call it karate kid and then he's based in china and be fucking someone up yeah i know right like that goddamn jane scott movie jane scott jane smith movie like how do you name a movie karate kid and then teach him a form of kung fu it's not why, karate. Yeah, why not just call it Kung Fu Kid and yeah. have it not be a reboot? You could have it in in universe, you know. Yeah. You don't have oh. to even cross them over. It's just hey. Anything else, Patrick? Do you want to chat about tonight? Nothing I can think about. I, I really want to see this again, and for our listeners, don't be surprised if I keep bringing this movie up for the rest of the year. But I've seen it twice. I'll see it a few more times. Loved this movie. If you haven't seen it and you've listened to this whole podcast, what are you doing? Could have spent this two hours in the theater. Go see the movie. And if you have seen exactly. it, go see it again. Like if you've only seen it once, we both saw it twice. I definitely got more out of it the second time. I found new things to look at. There's so much going on that it's worth a second viewing. Absolutely. I think that's going to do it for us tonight, folks. Uh, we're going to do our best to drop a new episode every Monday and Thursday. Uh, but feel free to reach out to us. Drop us a line on Twitter at the Hollywood Pod. Let us know what you think and what we should review next. On behalf of Patrick Bonfrisco and myself, Tim Beasley, thank you for listening to Hollywood and Vine. Go watch something new this week. Okay, cut. That's a wrap. Thanks very much. Ah, fucking Nat. Nat, I think I got it. I get think it. I got it. Get it. I think, no, get there it, it is. It got get, it. get him. Get him. Get him. Get him. Did you get him? No, it got away. Motherfucker. So this is the one that I had like 
you have to get it right. Which which Disney movie is that for you? Jeez. Uh, I, I don't know. Popeye? That's not Disney. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you want to do. If you don't want to spend a bunch of money. Yes. What ifs? I don't know why I turned into Bill Clinton right there, but I did. Hey, man. Get your dick sucked, brother. What? <laughs> oh, God. Sorry. No, I'm really angry now. I'm sorry. How about you do me a favor and sack the fuck up? <laughs>